2020. We just finished the Colonial Tournament. We're super excited. Chuck and I have a great show prepared today. Um, you know, we're just guys who love watching golf, talking golf, and most importantly, playing golf. Um, if you don't already, follow us on Twitch and Instagram. Um, those are the best spots to keep up with what we're doing and when we're going live. Um, you know, super excited that golf is back. Chuck, great to see you, man. What's going on, Trey? How are you? I'm doing well. Just sitting up here in Glen Arbor, Michigan. Absolutely beautiful. Been playing a ton of golf the last 10 days since I've been out of New York. So I've been, I've been loving that. Um, so it's been good. I think what we all want to know is how about that 68? Yeah. Careered it. I did. Uh, I, uh, I played Cedar River Golf Club on Thursday with my dad, uncle, and one of their friends, which is a Tom Weiskopf course. Uh, it's par 72 and, and came in and, and shot 68. So that was my career best round by three. Um, I had shot 71 probably six or seven years ago when I was playing high school golf and playing all the time. Um, which, but that was even par 71. So this is my first time actually going uh, under par and to go four under par. Um, it was it was an awesome awesome experience. So what was what were the nerves like? Like I feel like when I'm playing really well coming down the stretch, I always in my head I'm like oh, I'm gonna screw this up somehow. Like I'm gonna double 17, like triple 18. Like what were the nerves like coming down the stretch? Yeah. So you know. The front nine, I was just making a ton of pars. Uh, I was like hitting good chips or like just having good speed on my putts. So I was just tapping in for par. And then I drained like a uh, like a 30-footer for birdie. So I was one under after nine, you know, thinking, you know, I'm playing well. Um, I'm playing well, you know. But, you know, one under through nine holes. Like I've, I've done that before, but, you know, obviously doing well. But I wasn't really thinking much about it. And then on 10, I hit driver six iron on a par five um to like three feet for eagle so then i'm three deep and then i go and i pick a par and then i make another birdie so then i'm four deep and then i go and i think i birdied 15 so now i'm five deep on 16 t and i'm sitting there like definitely like with the mindset of, of like becoming like a little bit more conservative so like I hit three yeah. wood and like and started playing that way. I made a boat a, a miss like a ten footer for par on sixteen. Seventeen made a three footer for par, and then eighteen's a par five. Just uh, had like a hundred yard wedge over water, and I kind of chunked it. Ice. I kind of chunked it, and it made it over. And like luckily rolled on. I probably had like thirty five feet. But there was like a moment in when I, after I hit that shot that my heart completely sank. But yeah, the nerves were definitely high. I was drinking a couple White Claws out there, so that definitely helped out. That's insane, dude. That is like that 100-yard wedge shot, just ice in your veins yeah. before that shot. It was crazy, man. Like, you know, when I was playing well, but what I really just – I just didn't make any mistakes. Uh, you know, yeah. like I didn't take any penalty strokes. I didn't hit any like terrible chips that made me three putt or terrible first putts that made me three putts. I just had good speed and and, and knocked in a couple of nice par putts, but and birdie putts. But overall, it was just more about avoiding big mistakes, to be honest, than yeah. anything else. What was working best? Was it driver? Honest irons short game. Honestly, it was my my three wood. I was three okay. wood. I was stand up on the tee and swing it, and it was like. 240, 250 down the middle all day. And so that kind of saved me. Like every time I needed it, nice. I just hit that. I hit a couple big drives. Um, but and and my wet my irons were were solid. I mean, I hit that six iron from 185 mm. to three feet for Eagle. You know, I, everything was really working, uh, to be honest. It's almost like a blackout yeah. too. When you're playing that well, you kind of forget like how well you're actually playing. Absolutely. Right? I was like I would just yeah. I before this I knew we were gonna talk about it and I had to bring up the scorecard because in the moment I was just kinda like, All right, you know, what's the next shot? You know, how can I get yeah. this down? Um and I yeah, I kinda had after the round when I made my pot uh, I tapped in for par on eighteen and I was just it kind of like all was like 68 and I was like, yes, like let's go. And then I had a bunch of beers when we were done. So it was a great nice, night. Nice. Uh, it was definitely a great night. Love that. No, that's sick. How's things going for you? I know you're down on, on the shore. Um, it looks like you're getting a ton of sun. Things still going well down there. 
Good, yeah, things are great. We're starting to finally see some bars open, um, but still kicking it, like doing happy hours on the beach, golden hour, like just just hanging. Um, great spot to be on the weekends, though. Um, city kind of, like Philly kind of dies out, and people head down the shore on the weekends. So um, definitely uh, very relaxing down there. Awesome, yeah, I got to get down there. We got to get some golfing together. So I think we're yep. thinking August, so I'm excited about that. But you know, we really got to get into the bladed wedge Twitch, uh, the bladed wedge T sheet, and kind of start talking about the Colonial or the Charles Schwab at Colonial because it was, it was such a great tournament this week. You know, obviously it was there was a lot of hype around it uh, with it being the first tournament back after 13 weeks off, I think it was, um, and also being at Colonial, which is the longest running uh, non-major uh, PJ Tour event held in one location. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on it with that as well as with what's going on in the world. Um, you know, a couple they did a couple of really, you know, nice things, including the moment of silence for George Floyd, having caddies have two names, not only their player, but also for one last name for the healthcare worker slash first responder. Um, so that was awesome, but uh, w- w- it was it was a huge event. You know, it was the, the biggest, the most bet PJ Tour event in DraftKings history. Um, but you know, really, what what made it stand out and made it exciting was the golf. Um, so you know, just kind of kicking it off. What was your your overall uh, impressions of the tournament? I think it was a lot um, different than I expected it to be, or in a, and I think in a very positive way too. Um, I think the biggest thing coming into it is obviously the fan experience and no fans, no all kind of viewership virtually, um, and I really didn't think that had too big of an impact on it as I thought it would. Like I thought it was gonna, we were gonna see. It was going to be weird. I, I didn't know if they were going to do some different things around the commentary. Um, but I think they made it very good in a sense of keeping the fans engaged, um, even though they weren't on the grounds. And it didn't have too big of an impact on like the actual golf being played. I feel like I was more invested into actually being pumped up to watch them play golf versus like worrying about like, you know, the, the, the fans being there and some of the other distractions going totally on. Totally agreed. For, for myself, it didn't make much of an impact at all, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I was telling this to you earlier. It really felt like you were just kind of watching a hole that didn't yeah. have that many fans on it or maybe was in a part of a course that didn't allow fans. You know, I'm thinking like 12 at Augusta where you can't um, have fans back there. So didn't make too big of an impression for me. Obviously, missed the roars. Um, you know, I, the, one of the, the best thing, especially at you know at Augusta, is when you hear that roar and it's and it's from a different part of the course and it's not what you're watching and you know something big is coming up. But you know, when that's not happening, you didn't really miss it. Um, and I thought the broadcast yeah. did a really good job, to be honest. Um, I wish there was more of it televised um, and easier to access. But you know, the PGA Tour is so protective of the content. Um, we, we know how that goes, but, you know, really digging into the golf, uh, you know, in the, it, it was, it was a great quality of play throughout the whole weekend. I think we, we were pretty spot on with people feeling things out Friday and they honestly set up the course a little bit easier. Um, but by the time we got around to Sunday, these guys were firing on cylinders and, uh, you know, 17, uh, I, we got to start on 17 with Xander and that 360 degree lip out. Um, that was crazy, and honestly, it was too bad because how well Xander was playing, uh, you know, throughout the week, but especially leading up to that moment. Um, it's just kind of, you know, it's tough to see, but I guess that's golf, right? Well, I think it's part mm-hmm. of the rust. It's part of coming back to competitive golf and having that pressure down the stretch. Like he's tied for the lead, you know, he's trying to make birdies, and it was just one of those careless. You know, didn't look at the putt long enough, didn't go through his pre-shot, and hasn't been in that moment. And I think that's what honestly led to the mm-hmm. the three-putt. I mean, it was a three-putt from 20 feet. Like, that just shouldn't happen down the stretch or is going to lead you to win, uh, win event. So, I, definitely a tough loss. Love Berger winning. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the guys who I feel has taken kind of the backseat to the Ricky JT and some some of the younger studs who were on tour, um, so I think for his credibility, huge win. I mean, huge, huge win for him. I think it gets him back into the Masters and some of the bigger um, or some of the majors, and then you know helps his world ranking points. 
Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, the, the other guy out there is obviously Colin Marikawa, who is an absolute stud. Um, when mm-hmm. that guy has an iron in his hand, whether it's off the tee or in the fairway, um, you know, it, it's definitely something special. Uh, you know, and he's a, he's a young guy who's made 23 straight cuts, um, obviously going to be a star out there. Um, and I think this, you know, obviously a tough loss for him, similar to Xander, basically, you know, on the same cup with it, with that lip out. But I think it really kind of goes into what you're saying where young guy, you know, coming off some rust hasn't yep. had the pressure and, you know, the, yep. there's such a small margin of error on the PGA tour and, and, and in golf when you lose, uh, you have a little pressure or something that you're not used to that can, you know, make you make a, a careless mistake. You know, he probably makes that putt. 99 out of 100 times but when you put all that pressure on it you get a you miss it a little bit and you lip it out so it's tough to see but he's going to be a star someday as well and uh harold varner will win too Mm -hmm. he's good like he's legit um i think it's just going to take him some time to get used to being in the final round and like having that pressure but he's he's definitely legit yeah, I totally agree. I think you know, he really had some opportunities to make some birdies on some really good approach shots um, and ran a couple by, barely missed a couple. That really changed his week. Um, you know, he obviously still had a great week, but the difference between knocking in a couple of those 10, 15 footers after good approaches uh, is the difference between where he finished and, yep. and winning the tournament. So, you know, a lot of positive things coming out of, out of the week for him. Um, and then moving on, you know, the, one of the big storylines is Bryson. Um, obviously putting on a ton of weight, um, crazy amount of weight over, over the quarantine and, and becoming huge and then obviously bombing the ball as well. Um, for me, it's really impressive that a guy like that can put that much weight on and still keep his swing, keep his touch, and, and be able to still play professional golf after a body transformation. I mean, he was violently hitting the golf ball this weekend. <laughs> like Some of his drives were just so, so far I think the PGA, like the PGA Tour, came on with like a, or they threw up an Instagram. I think like every drive was like over three thirty or something ridiculous like that. Like it was disgusting to watch him hit the golf ball. Um, but yeah, I, he he threw up that video um, on Instagram of like what he was doing during, during quarantine, and I thought it was yeah, that was that was bad. It was just like it was quiet. There was like he wasn't talking. There was music playing, and it was like him cooking. I was like, "This is what it like." Yeah, it was like fifteen minutes. Also, yeah, it was Uh so long. Um, but yeah, no, I I think he he did what he said he was gonna do. Like he said he was gonna put on on massive amounts of weight, and, and so he could hit the golf ball further, and he did exactly that. Um, the other thing yeah. I did want to go back to is uh, mic'd up Ricky Vass, as great as people thought it would be. It's just, it's going to be a completely different, I think, people feel where he better content. But he's just out there doing the day-to-day routine and i think that isn't totally agreed i think exciting as i saw the solution proposed by someone um and it's to mic up the golf bags um or like have a mic somewhere on the golf bag so that when you they have those conversations around hey why did i hit they're gonna hit eight or nine or you know what yardage and why they're trying to hit a certain type of shot that's the content we want to. I want to see in these types of broadcasts. We're not going to get the Phil coaching. We're not going to get the banter. That's just not what it's like on the PJ Tour. But if you can get, you know, that thirty seconds of decision on club and shot, yep. I think that's what adds to the broadcast. So, whatever they can do to get that, and I don't know if it's making sure that the player they get more players mic'd up and, and making sure that they understand they're not going to show anything negative or that would compromise them, and ensuring that. Um, but getting that 30 seconds is what they need to do. And it's 100% fair to be just have interest in that. Yeah. I, that is, I, I saw so many people on Twitter who had negative biases towards that. I was like, hey, he's out there doing his job. Mm-hmm. Like, this is his job. This is his profession. It, it's completely understandable that he doesn't want people listening into the strategies that him and Jimmy talk about like that is I, I think it was ridiculous that people 
we're concerned about that. Totally agreed. I, you know, what I see it is a guy like um, Varner or a guy who's not a top player who is looking to get more notoriety, obviously increase their brand, putting it on there and being, you know, getting that confirmation that it's only going to be those 30 seconds and then hopefully getting yep. more TV time. I see the benefit more there than the top-level guys who have made it, who everyone knows. Um, so I think that might be a, a niche for them to start. Um, but, yeah, like you said, there's no reason to have any backlash towards that. It, it's a personal decision, and if you think it's going to compromise your game or you're going to think about it, or honestly, if it's just going to affect yeah. your swing, you can't yep. do it. It's your profession. Exactly, exactly. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on is Jordan Spieth. Um, pretty interesting week for him. Obviously, he's played at this course a ton. Um, he played really well pretty much through Saturday. Today was more of a mediocre day. Um, but, you know, really we saw the first couple rounds, the golf world getting behind him and kind of rooting for him to make a little bit of a comeback. You know, he was obviously such a star at, at one point and then having some struggles lately. So it was, it was awesome to see everyone kind of get behind him. But I'm not sure a lot of his issues are fixed, especially with uh, – you know, it seems like he was talking to himself a lot in negative ways that, you know, from my perspective, he, and, you know, he might argue in a different way, seemed counterproductive to, to his game and, and to becoming or playing well. Well, it's it's the weekend for him. He just can't he can't show up on the weekends. And there's definitely some mental side to it. But when I turned on the coverage on Thursday it was Jordan Spieth on the first green where he like flubbed the chip. I don't know if you saw yeah. that, but he flubbed the chip and he made like double. And I texted him, I uh, texted my group chat. I was like, uh, Jordan's not back. And then I see, I pull up the leaderboard and see him going off on Friday. I was like, Oh wow, maybe he is back. So I think he just needs to fi figure out like, what did he shoot? What did he have today? I think he had like 71, yeah. 72, like very, very average like that. That just doesn't get it done. You gotta go low on the weekends. Absolutely, it was weird because when you watched him play, he was hitting a lot of terrible shots where he was really disappointed. But he was scrambling and he was making pots and he was he was playing mm -hmm. well. It, it was one of the weirdest yep. um, rounds of golf or tournaments of golf I've seen. I think a lot has to do with him knowing the course really well and kind of getting away with some stuff because he knows where to miss and he knows how to get up and down. But um, we'll see, you know, how he continues. I really hope, uh, you know, he builds on it and continues to do well and, and takes some confidence away from it um, and continues to perform well. I like how he has stayed with Michael yeah. Greller and his swing coach. I feel like in times like this, you know, we saw when Rory started playing really bad, like he got rid of his caddy, like new swing coach. Like I, Jordan is sticking to his routine and sticking to the team that he has in place. And I think that is, I think that's going to ultimately benefit him versus completely trying to re-change his entire swing and, and go with a different, um, like try and remodel his entire game. So it'll be interesting to see how he continues to play the rest Absolutely. of the year. Absolutely. Um, and then before we move on, anything else uh, or, or other overall thoughts that you wanted to get to, or did we hit everything? I think we're good. Cool. Yeah. Moving yeah. on, next week we have the RBC Heritage um, at Harbor Town in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Huge purse and, and great field. Um, 114 players in the tournament have won on the PJ Tour, um, which is the most in any event uh, since the tour started to keep that stat in 2000. Rory McIlroy, number one player in the world, is playing for the first time, uh, or first time since 2009, and Brooks is actually playing for the first time ever. Um, but, you know, obviously going to be a great field. It's a beautiful course there. Uh, but, you know, the one thing that I kind of wanted to touch on is Tiger Watch. Um, you know, obviously no Tiger going to be there next week. There's some rumors I saw Riggs tweeting about uh, his yacht moving, which I always think is hilarious. Um, but yeah, no Tiger this week, so I, I'm really surprised. I, I thought we were going to get him. Yeah, I, like what is he waiting? I think his yacht was actually in Hilton. I think it was too. So, so I don't understand what is delaying him. Like he was playing well in the match. I get it. He didn't want to come back for the first um, tournament, but now it's just gotten to a point where I don't know what I don't know what the deal is. I don't either. So. 
We know the memorial is in mid-July. We'll almost for sure see him back for that. So now it becomes, are we going to see him before that? Um, I don't know. I, I assume I, if you I, before this started, I would have definitely bet you a lot of money that we would see him before that. But who knows now? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I guarantee you it will be, he will play the Memorial. Yeah. Like that's, that's a lock, but I don't know before the Memorial, like the Memorial's in the middle of July. I don't know when he's going to come back, which is kind of frustrating, but I, I, it's weird that they haven't come out and said like, Hey, this is why he's not playing, you know, reason X, Y, and Z. Like, is it his back? Is it, you know, just the events not being big enough where he, you know, doesn't see it being beneficial for him to play in or like the course that it's at. Just yeah, not sure. Not sure either. We'll keep uh, you guys updated as we hear more about Tiger and when he's going to be back. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some people talking about that this week, so we will keep our eye out for anything new news. Uh, then moving on to a rotating topic. Uh, this week we're going to go with favorite course you've ever played. So, Chaco, I'll let you kick this one off. What's your favorite course and, and where is it? where is it? So it's going to be Kapalua. Okay. I, I knew know, you were going to go with that, actually. The, yeah, the Tournament of Champions. Um, I mean, that course is just so sweet. The 18th hole there is unbelievable. Um, the par five where Patrick Reed and Justin Thomas had that insane playoff this year. Um, definitely my favorite round of golf and course that I've played in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to go with one. A little bit closer to home. Uh, I'm going to go with Arcadia Bluffs. It's a course up here um, in northern Michigan um, on Lake Michigan. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, it's kind of under the radar, um, but anyone who's played it will know what I'm talking about. Um, and I know, Checo, you, I've got to get you up here and check it out. So we'll be hopefully doing that this fall. Well, now that you're uh, going under, under par, I, I bet you probably have the itch to continue to play, right? Yeah. Uh, so I've, It's probably bad. I know. It's, it's been great. I've actually played twice already since that round, um, and I just wanted to play a ton. But I, I need a couple of days off, uh, but I'm going to be back at it this weekend. Dude, you deserve it, too, because you like you basically quarantined in New York, which is which I imagine was brutal. So I'm glad you're, uh, I'm glad you're getting some golf in and getting some fresh air yeah, out there. It's been, it's been awesome. It's been really relaxing and obviously good to get on the course after um, watching everyone play golf during quarantine. And I wasn't able to, so that, that that's been awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, so before we get to the interview, you know, we're always looking for help. Uh, we're looking for a potentially a third, uh, anyone who's, who can help us on our socials or is into video editing, shoot us an email at bladedwedge at gmail.com. Make sure to give us a follow on our Twitch and our Instagram. Those are the best ways to keep uh, tabs on what we're up to in our show um, and golf in general. And then a reminder that next week, Sunday, 8 p.m., 8 p.m. every week on our Twitch, twitch.tv slash bladedwedge. Dot, dot um, so definitely come check us out. Um, then our guest this week to finish off uh, this episode is Andrew Jensen. He's a professional golfer, a YouTuber, and a public speaker. We recorded it previously this week, and we felt like we had to run it tonight because it was super relevant around the first event back and Rust and what it's like to be you know, a, a player who's trying to compete and make the PGA Tour after long periods of breaks and kind of what you can do as a player to be involved and, and make money and continue to play golf and be in the game for your career. So it was an awesome interview. Definitely stay tuned and check it out, and we will see you guys next week. Later. Hey guys, super excited this week. We have Andrew Jensen uh, for the interview. He's a professional golfer, public speaker, and YouTuber. Um, he resides in Sarasota, Florida. You might have seen him on his Instagram, Andrew S. Jensen. That's S-E-N. And on YouTube, Andrew Jensen. How you doing? Good, man. I reside in Jacksonville. I'm in Sarasota right now. Okay, there we go. I, I, I missed on that one, but Jacksonville, Florida. All right, there we go. So what are you up to these days? Actually, so I'm in Sarasota. It's kind of funny. I'm in a hotel literally right next door to the community I used to live in when I first turned pro. But yeah, I came down here to do some stuff with Short Par 4. And then, uh, yeah, up to Orlando for some swing thought and then back back home by the weekend. So awesome. Is kind of, so this is a bit of my life now, not just traveling and competing. It's traveling and filming and a little bit different, but kind of the same as what it was 10 years ago, basically. 
Yeah, that, that's that's really cool. I think you know it's pretty interesting how you how you built your brand and, and kind of expanded it. So let's kind of start from from the beginning. Um, you know, I know you you're originally from overseas, is that correct? And then you came over and started uh, playing mini tours. Yeah, so I'm Canadian. I turned pro. I joined. I I qualified for the Canadian tour as an amateur. So I had Canadian tour status in 2008. So right. I, I moved down here January 2008. And uh, so it was just like the winters were down in Florida. Like any any Canadian player, you winter in, in either Arizona or Florida. And then if you had Canadian tour status, you'd go back home for the summer and compete. And then kind of a bit of a hamster wheel. It was easy to get stuck on. So I did three years of that. Like I had Canadian tour status, eight, nine, and 10. And it was the same thing. Yeah, come down here. Mm-hmm. I didn't really compete down here. Didn't really know how to do do that because of visas and immigration and all that. And then eventually figured it out. There was a good tour here in Sarasota, the West Florida tour, and it still goes. So I like play a little bit in the winter. Um, but as any mini tour player can kind of attest, like my winters changed every year. Like I I, I worked for a couple months at Lululemon to save up some cash to live in Florida for two months or three months and prepare for because I always had status eight, nine, and ten. So it's like you knew what was happening yep. come yep. late May. Like you knew you had that, but it's like, okay, how do you get prepared? How do you, you can't just sit in the cold and the snow for six months. Like it's just, it's not conducive to try to compete against guys that are literally 12 months a year playing and, and practicing and competing. So that's kind of how it started. And then I stopped, <laughs> I ran out of money or got in too much debt and then uh, got a job, worked for TaylorMade in Toronto. And then, got back on the Canadian tour, which was then the PJ tour Canada in 2013. And I mean, I've had no real success as a professional golfer. I've been a very uh, shitty pro for a while with a couple of a, a good enough golf here and there to like keep you going. But yeah, but uh, I mean, we've talked to some people on our show and just even gone into how hard it is to even get status on either the corn Ferry or the Canadian tour and, you know, that's an, an accomplishment yourself. And and I know that, you know, as you kind of got in in the last couple of years, you've, you've migrated to not only being, you know, continuing to compete when the game feels good, but also having this secondary, um, I don't know, if a business or secondary kind of outlet for you uh, around more of like a video production and talking about not only your game, but also uh, uh, events. So can you talk about that a little? Yeah, like... Like I said, like 14, 15, and 16 were kind of years where I just played where I could. I, if I had cash to play, like I found a sponsor in 14 and 15. So it's like I played what I could. And then it just, I mean, it was whatever. It wasn't great, but good here and there. And by then I had like transitioned to full-time living in Florida, more or less. Um, but then in 20, the beginning of 2017, I was back in Canada. And like, I'm a big YouTuber. I've always been. Like, I remember being down here in 08 and 09. Like, YouTube was only two years old. Yeah. Like, I watched vlogs. Like, and it was all stuff filmed on webcams. Like, I've always been a YouTuber. Like, I've always loved that. Like, I made YouTube videos in 2009. Uh Two megapixel Canon point shoot about mini tour golf. Like, I did, like, three of them. And it's, like, I don't know. They're terrible. They're, They're long deleted. Like, I don't even know. I don't even have them anymore. But just watching enough Gary Vaynerchuk mm-hmm. on YouTube just kind of really fired me up to like, let's do this. Let's try this. Let's give myself six months in 2017. I had a schedule. I had, I knew what I was doing in Toronto and, and, and Quebec that summer. I was like, let's make a video a week for six months. And if you don't like it, don't do it mm-hmm. after six months. But if you like it, keep doing it because I knew there was possibility that it could turn into something that kind of supplements, um, playing golf but it's also one of those things where like I have this inherent joy of storytelling and when I turned pro there was you know I had to pick the brain of guys that I knew through email or whatever that had played and like how do I do this how do I raise the money where do I what should I do and it was like that information was always really hard to find and I wrote an article in 2008 for my golf spy that like did really really well and that kind of sparked that interest and then I was like, well, let's let's document this. Let's show what it's like below Corn Ferry when yeah. people can't see it on TV. And, I mean, it was great. It was a lot of fun. 
but at the same token, it really took away from my golf game because when you're when you're showcasing in and out every event you're playing, be it a one day or a two day, and it's your schedule is so different, and you're showing the results to every single one to a small audience at the time, and then even when the audience got a little bit bigger, you show bad golf oh, yeah. more show good golf, mm-hmm. and the golf consumer doesn't get that. They watch golf every week on TV and they see the best players playing the best. And then maybe if they're like nerds and follow certain Twitter accounts that like to shit on guys, Smiley Kaufman, like (laughs) he's the easy target, but he's not an exception to the rule. Like he's the norm. Guys that struggle. Yeah. Guys that win on tour and then struggle. Mm -hmm. And people don't get it. And so me showing that and like, I mean, my third video or third event, it's like I lost in a playoff. So it's like we're in a high. But then, like, it's like withdraw, DQ, missed cuts, like just weird shit that was happening. And you're showcasing that. And it's just bad golf or doing a qualifier and missing by two, you know, missing getting paid by one. Oh, I got paid, but I still lost money. Showing that is, is the real life of it. And... I had to wrestle with like the response when I had a video go viral and my audience went from 300 to 3000 in like a week. Mm-hmm. I made a video about the cost because I wanted to educate. And then when the, the audience got to that size, that's where I got the, you suck, <laughs> retire. And I mean, I still get it. Like last event I played, I shot 81.78. Uh-huh. And I went and filmed a video and shot 61 on my own course. And I, I hit it the same. But I'm playing a short course, right. trying to 60, and it's fun for me. And people are like, well, how can you do that in a tournament and that on YouTube? Like, hmm, that, that's suspicious. And it's like, it's apples and oranges. Yeah. There's no idea. Uh-huh. Like, And because I'm not a full-time player anymore, I'm not. that's not routine and that's not comfortable for me anymore. For seven years, that was my life. And even a bad event, you're like, all right, next week. You're not just like, oh, let's play an event and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I'm excited to kind of show that a little bit more again. But also I think as I've gotten older, I think I understand I probably won't make the PGA Tour. <laughs> and that's cool to me because I'm playing golf for a living still. But it looks different. But I want to continue to showcase professional golf. So if it's like these pro versus pro matches with other guys like mm-hmm. show other guys games and you're seeing other players like did a video with a buddy at my club killed me he shot five under after nine and i shot 200 i played good uh-huh. and it's like that's good but then he can go out and shoot 78 in a tournament like it's the same thing mm-hmm. but i think it's the golf consumer has this he is so skewed towards the best playing the best every week and there's just not enough of an understanding of what it takes to get there because those top guys got there right away. Yeah. Like, and so we think that's the norm. We think that is what is supposed to happen. If that didn't happen and the, and it's shifting so much because it's so hard to get status, you know, you're not seeing guys have a good year in Canada, good year in corn fairy and all of a sudden, like it takes a while now. Whereas before, or like when I first turned pro, you could go to Q school for the PJ Tour. Yeah. You get the money. You could get a PJ Tour card like that. You, you had a one fire week. You play some of your best golf. Boom. Your, your status. Now you're doing that and getting on the Corn Ferry, which is obviously still a huge deal, but um, not the same. But the Corn Ferry now compared to until they shifted, the, when they shifted the Q school, because you used to get to finals and you would have a Corn Ferry card uh-huh. and you would get starts. Now you go to the, you go to Corn Ferry, get to finals. If you miss your the the like the full card by one stroke, you're not playing. I know because there's 300 members on the tour. Like you're not playing, mm-hmm. and if you are a McKenzie Tour grad, you're not playing McKenzie Tour because you're chasing if you get in, if you Monday. So now if you didn't get in, and if you didn't Monday, you didn't play any McKenzie. So you just went from being like a good good player on the McKenzie Tour, let's say in 2018, and then the end of 2019. Nothing. You have no sense. Yeah. You're starting scratch. It's crazy out there, but I, I do think, you know, like you said, there is a, a niche that needs to be filled around educating people um, about the grind and about how hard it is. And, and also, 
about, number one, how good you have to be to be on the PJ Tour, you know, going out and shooting that 61, but that everyone's human and golf's a really hard game. And so when you go out and you play tournament rules on a long golf course, hitting everything out, playing by, you know, obviously official rules, it's hard and people shoot high 70s. I mean, we even see golfers on the PGA Tour who are at the top of their game shooting high 70s, low 80s sometimes. So it just happens. And I think, you know, like you said, people see Sunday afternoon, the best guys playing at their best that week. And that's the golf they consume. But there's really, you know, a lot more that goes into it. Well, even if you think, like, a great example I always remember as a Canadian, Mike Weir yeah. in 1999 PGA Championship. He was paired with Tiger, like when Tiger and Sergio had that battle. Weir was tied for the lead. Weir shot 80. Canadians, mm-hmm. we saw that he shot 80. No one else did. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no one else even cares. It's like you're in the final group, you shot 80, big deal. Yeah. But, like, you choose to make a video about it on YouTube and talk about it. You, yeah. you know what I mean? It's uh-huh. like... You're making excuses, da 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 da, and then, and that's just the fickle nature of YouTube. Right. Because I mean, I broke my arm last year. Like that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. trying to play since then, it's like my head's a mess. Mm-hmm. But only longtime viewers can see that. And but if you get a new viewer that just shows up this week and sees that you played like crap, they go, well, form your own opinion. But yeah. Say it's something about like obviously like the YouTube commenter, like the Twitter troll. But I think like. For the majority, and I know that Jacko and I appreciate when we watch your videos more of like understanding the grind and understanding like authenticity of like where you're at mentally and where you're at, you know, obviously with your game. And I think like for the hardcore golf audience who, you know, didn't ever have the chance to or what, you know, we're big golfers and can play well, but we're not even close to, you know, being able to even sniff a qualifier or something like that, you know, it brings kind of bridges that gap for us and, and gives us a lot of appreciation for what it takes. So I know that, you know, there obviously are trolls out there, but I think, you know, for the majority of the people, yeah, we, we love it. And that's is shown in like your audience growing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like I'm to the point now where I'm so okay with yeah. people <laughs> criticizing me or like I've had comments yesterday's video that like, Oh, there's due line. You took extra pots. It's like, if I'm going to take extra shots in a video, why did I, you know what I mean? Or when yeah. I the cradle last year, someone's like, oh, your balls never land. It didn't end up there. Like, you move. I hit four greens. Like, if, yeah. I'm, if I shoot even parking, four greens at a cradle, like, why would I just, why would I just take another shot and hit the green? Uh-huh. I get it. Like, there's all those people out there, but for the, but then, I mean, that's such a small percentage because I'm so fortunate that the audience, it's been a great community of people sharing their experiences in tournament golf and encouraging each other and like sharing highs and lows. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing. And then I get so many great messages of like legitimately junior golfers, college golfers play like professional golfers that like you've helped me. Cause like I learned things from what you've done and like how to turn pro and how to get like a support system. Cause that's what matters more than anything. Yeah. You can have all the money in the world in your bank account, but if you don't have emotional, physical support, a crew around you, you're going to struggle. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be hard because this life, like sitting in an empty hotel room by myself away from my wife and my dog, like if they weren't supportive of that, right. and I was still playing. How hard would that be? Yeah, so but you're still out doing it. If it's your parents aren't supportive, like it's, there's just a lot that goes into it. And like, that's where I obviously want to keep competing because I love the, the even, even after I play poorly, I'm handling a lot better because mm-hmm. thankfully I'm not putting myself out. Yeah. You know, and I, that transition, I've had those trolls, but like, what's your job, man? You're like, YouTube's my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thankfully I'm at a place now where I can support myself and like, we're doing okay. And if I choose to play a tournament, I'll play a tournament. And if I shoot 20 over or five under, it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Really. The result is completely irrelevant. And that's where like, that's what's trying to showcase to my channel is like, it's about your work ethic. It's right. about your process, and all the results take care of themselves. And so I, I see you. I see you wearing that shirt. I, I've noticed that on your channel a little bit. The rise and grind. Yeah. That, that's pretty cool. Can you talk about like what that means to you? I mean, it's just like you. I, I make my own merch on Teespring, and it's uh-huh. just one of those things. Like grinding is such a thing for golf, but I mean, I have a tattoo of work harder. 
I mean, my golf is hard shirt that I made for a bit. I got some golf coach has copyrighted that and like threatened <laughs> legal action to me to take it down. Really? Yeah. I mean, what? Like, I was like, all right, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so we took it down because they reached out to Teespring and were like, so Teespring was like, we have to take this down because someone has copyrighted that saying. That is hilarious. That's like, okay. That's cool though. I like the the rise and grind because it not only applies to like the practice every day, but also like when you're on the course, like you don't have to hit it, have like your best game. But like if you're grinding around the greens and like trying to make a score, like that's how you really become a more consistent player at any level. Right. But it's also like, it's life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've documented very openly what I've been through and what I still go through and like life's hard for everyone yeah it's just like you got to find that motivation i get messages of how do you find motivation you just gotta find it Mm -hmm. there's no there's no formula it's you like what works for you but that all goes back to process like what's your process right and like again results if it's on the golf course or in, in in school or at work like it's just that's where i'm fortunate like i try to i mean vlog content i like making the most but Golf YouTube doesn't like it as much, but that's where you guys get best opportunity to showcase how golf can relate to so much. Mm-hmm. And, and then quarantine was the ultimate opportunity for that to show how golf can relate to like mo- like life, like getting up and what you do on the golf course and how you work and like what you're focused on. It's the same thing with your daily routine off the golf course. Mm-hmm. Yep. So shifting gears a little bit, um, the guys are getting started this week. PGA Tour is coming back. What's the hardest thing that they're going to be positioned with returning to competitive golf? Like they've been playing in their simulators in their basements at their home country clubs. Like what are they going to be going through this week getting back to the PGA Tour? Um, I mean, going on like what I experienced last week, and obviously Swing Thought's a different animal than Corn Ferry and PGA Tour. It's just – Golfers were creatures of habits, and, and tour players to the utmost of that. You have your routine. You, you, you kind of you do the same thing every week to that perform helps you perform the best. And when you figure out what's working, you kind of repeat that. So obviously, guys haven't done anything since March. So it's like, what's that routine? But now, you know, how many guys flew? Most I would imagine most players probably drove to Texas mm-hmm. unless you know private jet or whatever. Yeah, but. There's going to be testing on site. Like, it's all that. No fans. So it's just like the surroundings are all different. And that is going to have an effect on your routine, I would believe. Because mm-hmm. yeah. what you're accustomed to isn't there. And I, there's even parameters on, like, when you can use the range. Yeah, I saw work. that. Like, there's all these different things. And then you've seen the flags in. Like, that's going to change. So it's it's adapting to that because you can't do what – I mean, it's comparable to a player getting put on the clock. All of a sudden, the yeah. things change, and like, how do you adjust? And I think that's going to be the big thing. Like, we're still going to see great golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the the execution is not going to be any different. Are we? I mean, there's so much hype of how many the top players are playing, and they're all paired together. Like, because golf media needs that, they need to put attention to it. But there's no fans. There's no yeah. nothing. Like, it's. Yeah going to be so different as a player your environment has changed do you, like that is generally controllable because it's generally the same thing every week that's changed so how do you adapt to that your hotel experience is going to change you 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 can't you can or you can't go to restaurants to eat throughout the week like those things are different like even last week in knoxville mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm okay. I'm wearing a mask. Like I'm, I know I need to be smart about these things, but I'm getting dinner and eating in my hotel room. Like mm-hmm. you're, and most players, I mean, don't want to sit in your hotel room the whole time, whole right. time you're in town. Right. You'd like to kind of do certain things to break the routine up. And those things aren't going to be allowed. And I would imagine there's going to be a lot of anxiety because the Friday testing that they're doing, you're going to find out that result on Saturday. And if that result is a negative or a false or positive, let's say, or a false positive, you're out. Yeah. yeah. So, what if, you know, you're leading the tournament and you're out. So it's like money all. And I would imagine that bit of anxiety is going to have an effect on mm-hmm. some players. Some players know, but I would say it's just the environment. Everything's 
different. The environment's different, and I think that's going to be even still no no fans, no white noise. Mm, yeah. Maybe you're going to hear the odd thing, and then you think players that have like a, a that swear a lot, they're going to have to be careful because mics are picking everything up. Like I'm a big hockey fan. I think like when the NHL starts up again, yeah, <laughs> is unreal because uh-huh. there's going to be no audience. Like it's so like as a player, you you're going to have to be mindful of so many things that you didn't have to pay attention to before. So how does that? help your help or hurt your golf game i think is going to be the big big thing yeah that's super interesting i think you know once we get to saturday sunday i think guys will kind of get in the routine or have a good understanding what's going to happen i think thursday and friday are going to be really interesting um with the combination of what you said as well as just general like competition rust so that'll be that'll be interesting um one thing before we go into rapid fire do you think that there will be any uh anything different without having like stands there you know i know that a lot of these guys when they do miss greens or right or left or long you know you do get a free drop from the stands but now you know that's not gonna be there do you think that has any effect i think so and it's also like not having fans to look for golf balls yeah because that's one thing like when you watch the pga tour like no one loses the golf no one loses the golf ball and like the golf courses are designed in a way where it's like Joe Blow or even like a mini tour event or when we're playing, you hit in the trees, it's hard to find a golf ball. Yes, yeah. And I always remember in college golf, we played at Enjoy, which used to have the BC Open. And we played it like a month after the tournament in September. And we always had PGA Tour trees. Because these are like, this is upstate New York, so it's full trees. But they're all trimmed to like the the bottom eight or nine feet. There, there's nothing on them. And we're like, oh, PGA Tour trees. Because you can always find a golf ball and you always have a shot out of there. But there's no fans to look for golf balls uh-huh. or rough or whatever. And or like the heather. There's no, uh, yeah, that, that, like that, oh, we got that backdrop. I mean, it's going to affect, I think, a little bit. But on the whole, the winning score is going to be the same. Yeah. The cut is yeah. going to be the same. It's not like it's going to make scoring averages different like, or anything like that. It's just going to be, it's going to affect some players. But we're not even going to know about it. Like, right? right? Like, it's going to be players right in the middle, but it's not going to, because you have 150 guys, like, it's not going to change. It's like the groove change. Oh, that's going to really change scoring. No, it didn't. Like, there's still going to be guys that play great, and then there's going to be guys that play shitty. It just could be your guys that generally play great might play shitty. Mm -hmm. We don't know why. Well, it's because they're just not comfortable or they just don't like it. Totally makes sense. no disrespect to a lot of PGA Tour players. They're divas. Yeah. And if yeah. they so used to the same thing all the time, and if it's not that, like, the pins in could really mess with some guys. And then if you let it get to you, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Right? Because like, now your mental is just gone. It's gone. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Chuckle, let's get to the rapid-fire questions uh, before we run out of time. Perfect, yeah. So, some rapid-fire questions up and coming. So, what is your favorite course ever played? Shit, I got a lot. Because uh, <laughs> I would say, like, the, the first course I ever made a cut on, that's huge, um, Pine Ridge in Winnipeg. Colgate University's golf course has always been one of my favorite courses. But honestly, like, with how much I've, I would say the cradle. Okay, that's awesome. With how much like, I've changed my relationship with the game of golf, cradle was awesome. And it's just so relaxed and cool and like, yeah. That's awesome. I've, I've been dying to get down to Binehurst to play. It it's just, it's awesome. Because, you I mean, you can go in flip-flops and t-shirt. Yeah. Be, it's, yeah, and like, I know like Instagram and certain people are making Pinehurst feel like, oh, it's the cool, like for the cool kids. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not. It's, it is what you make it and like, you want to just do it by yourself like I did or with some buddies, like it's pretty awesome yeah that's definitely on my bucket list to get down there for sure what's your favorite club in the bag today butter butter, butter. yes yeah. lowest round ever shot uh 61 from like six thousand yards uh-huh. my lowest point ever in a tournament is 66 okay wow so i would say that would be like i've never been like i think where i grew up like par was always a great score mm-hmm. but even in my amateur like i would win tournaments at even par one over 
I was always like, I could play on really bad golf courses, like hard golf courses to keep it around par. And then I was in a, I was rudely awakened when I turned pro. Cause like my first few years on the first year on the Canadian tour, first few events, like shot even par, like, miss a cut by three, shoot even par, miss a cut by six. You're like, huh? Yeah. What's the difference? Uh huh. Wow. When guys have wedges in their hands, they're making birdies where I'm just yeah. used to making pars. I was a great par putter, shitty birdie putter. <laughs> <laughs> And who is your favorite today? Who's your favorite PGA Tour player or someone that you've gravitated towards and love watching? I mean, I've always been a Tiger Woods fan, but I would say, I mean, Adam Scott was someone I always kind of looked up to. And I loved Phil as a, like a junior golfer, and then I couldn't stand him for like the longest time. But who he's like let himself become now, I wouldn't like, because I, I, I don't watch a lot of golf. I would, my thought for that is like who do i want to have a beer with yeah it'd be phil phil for sure yeah i phil's really let his like person like who he is and like who he wants to be in like a quirky way come out in the last couple years and it couldn't be like better for my opinion of him like he doesn't have to kind of toe the the company line of being like the real like homecoming king yeah that's who he's kind of came across as to me you know, the perfect wife, mm-hmm. the perfect life. Oh, I'll walk off the course in the U.S. Open if I'm leading. If she goes into labor. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. Whereas now it's like, I mean, I've spent a bit of time with him. And, like, he's just he's just a good-ass dude. Like, he's just, he's that guy you want to hang out with. And he'll, he, he'll shoot the shit with you. He'll tear you down. Yeah. <laughs> so you better not be sensitive. And, like, but he'll take, he can take it, too. So it's. Yeah, he'd be a good guy. He'd be my favorite because I'd want to hang out with him. Yeah, I mean, that w- getting a beer, like playing playing three, playing nine holes with Phil would be pretty electric, mm-hmm. especially if he was just comfortable like doing his normal stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, you more as a peer probably got to see that more than you know anyone else. But uh, really appreciate you coming on. This was awesome. Um, it, it's it's been really great to kind of hear more about your background and kind of where you're at. Uh, with both your golf and, and your content making, so really appreciate that. And you know, we'll pro- we'll look to have you on again uh, in the future if that's possible. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thank you very much. No, thank you guys.